Folks, this is Dude 2 Joe of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Before we begin our, uh, you know, double feature pairing discussion, just want to give an apology to Mr. Dan Trachtenberg. You know, I thought we mispronounced his name. Richard got it right. So if there's awkwardness in the audio, that's my fault. Also, I misgendered the dog in Prey. Coco the dog is a girl, not a boy. I made a big correction on this, but if there's other pronouns I misused throughout... That's something I overlooked, so I apologize for that. Anyway, here's this week's installment of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. The following is not intended for younger listeners. If you're under the age of 18, please turn this off. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. And we have another exciting episode for you guys this week, but before we get into that, I must ask, as always, Dude Two, how are you? Well, I don't really have much going on right now. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's what it is, well, I guess. I, I, I will say, I've been watching a lot of movies the last couple of days, um, one of which we will talk about in the second half of uh, our episode. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so not to spoil anything with that, but I was watching uh, this really nifty documentary. I was messaging you about it last night. Um, it was like original uh, Broadway cast recording album or whatever company of company and it's a Mm -hmm. documentary it's about 50 something minutes long and it's about the recording of the original broadway cast of sondheim's company which is an interesting experience and you really get an appreciation for how difficult these things are especially because you know as they say in the documentary this is what people are going to listen to forever. This is the permanent recording. Been there, sorry, the people are like been there for like fourteen hour days, and just like <laughs> it, it's so crazy. Just listen, like you know, just how much you know you need to like how much you need to do for that kind of endeavor. Yeah, I mean, we we have like a very minuscule amount of experience with something like that. Like very, because like obviously we record all our shows and stuff but like as far as music is concerned we have done some songs but it's we've never like been in a studio it's never been like with a bunch of people it's usually at best it's usually like john uh telling us can you try a little bit like go a little bit louder a little bit higher can you just so you can get to that that note i think this is funny to think like the last time i recorded a song was i got home late from work it was like one in the morning and I'm just screaming into my microphone in a raspy voice for the Teddy Haskell character trying to sing a song. Oh my god. And thank goodness no one came in like, are you okay? Is, is everything alright? Like, no, no, I'm fine. Just just singing a song about losing, <laughs> losing my sister. Um, the character's sister, not my actual sister, just to clarify. But when you, it was funny because like when you were messaging me that, I immediately thought of that documentary now show on IFC, mm-hmm. so because they because I think John Mulaney 
and uh, Taron Killam did like a a parody of that. And uh, there was a like I didn't watch the episode itself, but there was a song in it that was really funny that uh, was sung by Alex Brightman, who's Broadway Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. And and the whole song is about going to a Christmas party and being really nervous and to fight the nerves. He does a lot of cocaine. <laughs> oh god! And so like, and it's it's really impressive though, because like the song is really fast paced, and so he's like he's like just but he's like singing like a whole thing and then like it ends with him saying but the fact of the matter is i did a little cocaine tonight oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) and i immediately sent that to you i was like this is the first thing i thought i thought of and then and then you sent me like there was like like was that on like like attached to the thing like the like like the documentary now cast or did you just happen to find that i just happened to find i just happened to find that the Twitter thing, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I saw it. I'm like, wait a minute, because because like John Mulaney there looks like what Stephen Sondheim looks like in that document. That's why I thought of it. Yeah, because he's got like the turtleneck <laughs> and the hair. Um, so it, it it it's just really funny. Um, like Elaine Stritch, like it's there's a famous bit which I definitely recommend everybody watch it. Elaine Stritch is trying to sing this song, and like she has to do it take after take after t- and her voice is already just like exhausted and there's a point where like she hears her recording she's like oh shut up <laughs> it it's um and it was actually funny because it was supposed to be like a series of like documentaries like that of other cast recordings but that was the only one that was ever made for that particular series so i mean based on how you explained it i kind of get it yeah, it's it's probably like it's one thing that you're just kind of go through this experience and like trying to you know there's so many factors at play, and then on top of all that, there's someone just recording it all. Mm-hmm. It's like, can we not do that again? <laughs> like, we'll just we'll just record the cast album. And we'll be done with it. We don't need someone with a camera in our face. It's just weird. Yeah, I think I almost feel like, and I'm sure people in musical theater know this thing, know this documentary and all that, but I feel like it should be a requirement to watch that just to like say this is what you're getting what you might be getting yourself into so just just prepare for it like i was like one of my favorite moments is sometimes it's like you're you're doing that note wrong i mean you've been doing it i haven't realized it but you've been doing it wrong for weeks now in this shit (laughs) (laughs) i'm like oh gosh um but i watched like a lot of movies but you were saying i'm sorry no sorry i was just saying it reminded me of um when I was doing ADR for my last short film that I did. Mm-hmm. And my one friend, I was trying to get her to deliver this line a certain way. And, she, and I don't know if I was just not explaining it right. Or if she just wasn't understanding what I was trying to say, but like she, we could, we had to go through it so many times. <laughs> it's just this one line. <laughs> I was like, you want to start off? You want to kind of like, you're like going up a hill, but then after you've gone up to the top, you go right back down. You trail down after that. You want to you want to peek at this word, and then you want to kind of go down after that. And I I did feel bad for her, and like after the fact, I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> She's like, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we it was it was a while. Like it took a while to go through that. So yeah, I do apologize for that. But we it, she did it. Yeah, we and we got it. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how, but how are you yeah. doing? Um, I'm all right. I've just been kind of tired today, probably because of allergy medication I, w- I took not long ago. So, well, I took it last night 
and so it's probably still kind of like like at least i'm not sneezing but now i'm just like oh, what? but other than that you know i've just been just kind of chill it's getting to the end of the summer and so there's like a lot of changes at work you know a lot of people are going back to school college some people are outright leaving and so there's it's always kind of tricky because like there's people that you like people you like to see whenever you go into work and you know you're happy for them but at the same time you're like it's gonna suck a little bit more isn't it yeah (laughs) yeah but you know i am happy i'm happy for these for those people and i'm excited for what 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 they're what they're gonna be going to and what they're up to and stuff uh obviously like a lot of people have been following all the warner brothers stuff that's been going on it's just a giant headache after another giant headache and i'm not gonna go too much into it because i i'm just exhausted from how upset it made me before (laughs) but yeah you probably by this point you probably have all heard about all this stuff it's just stupid what's been going on with that and you know what in truth i only have ever watched one thing on discovery channel (laughs) that's it and it wasn't even like it, it actually kind of makes sense because it's because it's the it's the Josh Gates guy because mm-hmm. he's an explorer he's an archaeologist it's not like you know toddlers and tiaras or some nonsense or uh, was it the the property brothers the ni- ninety day fiance universe <laughs> this is what the uh, world we live in now Richard I, I knew that I knew the world was over the day the Learning Channel. <laughs> just stopped being the learning channel i mean look at history channel i mean they they still have some <laughs> stuff but it's like man storage wars <laughs> i'm gonna buy this i'm gonna buy this uh this shed for five thousand dollars what's in it people's crap <laughs> <laughs> let's go uh and there's so many there's so many reality shows set in vegas you notice that mm. i don't know like my mom, because like my mom watches those shows all the time, and I would catch them every now and then. But there's like, I feel like it is like its own cinematic universe of just different shows <laughs> set in Vegas. Like, right. like you'd watch like one of the magicians ha- having their own show, and then they'd go to visit the same guy that like the Pawn Stars visited. Yeah, like oh, he's he's the premier, you know, uh, chopper guy in Las Vegas. You should go see him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then he gets his own show. You're like, is this a spinoff? I guess, technically. But that's the thing with those reality shows is like, I think a lot of this stuff is like to cut cost. And that reality TV stuff does not cost a lot of money to make. And it doesn't. I mean, think about how much money. And, you know, obviously my heart goes out to the people who worked on like the Scoob movie and um, Batgirl. But think about how Especially, much. Especially, yeah. How much money goes into original content for streaming services like most of these things aren't even profitable <laughs> and they're just they're just trying they're trying to to make it profitable and i feel like this was like the tipping point where david zaslav who's you know runs this merged company now uh is like i i we we need to make this make money because AT&D did such a crappy job at doing this and uh i want to make sure this lives but at the same time I don't know what that says about what that's going to do to artist relationships, uh, relationships with talent, especially because they were already kind of bad with the previous regime. 
over yeah. uh, when AT&T had control of Warner Media and all that stuff. But I guess we'll see. I know they say, oh, we stand for quality. We'll see what happens. <laughs> like you, you use the word content, you stand for quality. I don't know. <laughs> and then you gendered your services. HBO Max is for boys. <laughs> Discovery is for and goyles. Plus. Oh my gosh. Well, what, what about all those other people? I don't know. They could go get their own streaming service. I don't know. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the world we live in. I mean, there's a they-them like horror movie, and I've heard it's pretty bad. Yeah. Which sucks, because it was made by John Logan, and I like John Logan. But it turns out he... Just made a shitty movie, apparently. <laughs> Listen, it happens. It happens. It happens. Like people, it happens. people don't like think it can happen. It's like, listen, listen. It's like, listen. Just you might have had some hits, but guess what? You're gonna have some misses too. You're gonna have some some eggs that are not so golden. Yeah. But other than that, other than all of that stuff, uh, just you know, trying to trying to function every day. I'm actually kind of excited for this week because we're sharing the Twilight episode this week. Oh yeah. And I, 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 last night I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to share, uh, the, the Apple picture, like the iconic, uh, <laughs> Apple picture from the book. And just like, cause and I was like, yeah, you saw that correctly. <laughs> you know, what's, what's coming up. This is actually happening. And then like, uh, you know, the posters, the two days, and then I, I'm going to show probably something from Matt Reeves, like uh, probably from the Batman be like, look, it's Edward Cullen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm actually kind of excited to to share that one eventually, and also again shout out to Caitlin for suggesting that one. But um, aside from all that, uh, we do have a pretty cool double feature. Double feature. I can't speak. Double feature for you guys this week. Um, uh, Joey, have you ever hunted before? No, it's something I have like zero desire to do. Same. But you know what? It's fun to watch in movies. <laughs> it's it's an inherently cinematic thing when you think about it. I mean, think about Bambi. Yeah. Like, I cry yeah. whenever the hunter shows up in Bambi and, and Bambi's mom dies. And you're like, what the hell? Humans suck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're the worst. Which is probably why Zaroff wanted to kill him. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. Today's, today's episode is all about hunting in in films and uh particularly uh with this first one you probably have heard of it because you probably read the short film or the short story in high school i know i did um did you you did you read it in high school i did read it in high school yes um yes it i remember so <laughs> i remember everybody being <laughs> sorry i remember everybody being surprised at the subject matter when it when it's like revealed yeah, it's it's a little it's a little bit like it's like I'm used to like in high school reading like Romeo and Juliet, which is also pretty like intense, but like you kind of expect it. But then it's like here's a story about, you know, this hunter who's like bored with hunting people <laughs> or hunting uh animals, now he's going to hunt people. Right. And uh you're like, "Excuse me?" So like he's a serial killer. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a serial killer, but like for sport. That's just messed up, man. But anyway, anyway, uh, enough of the buildup, Joey. What uh, what are what movie are we talking about today? We are we are uh, we are talking about um the nineteen thirty two production directed by um Ernest Shodzak and Irving Pitchell. Uh, this is the most dangerous game. The most dangerous game, and no, 
It's not the game where you throw hacky sacks at your friend's back, though that could be pretty dangerous. Yeah, I, I got a hacky sack <laughs> thrown at my nose once. It was not fun. No, no. Like, I think I think that was the twist of just normal hacky sack back in back in high school. Was just you just kicked the the sack, but if you missed it, you had to like stand up against the wall and they throw the hacky sack at you. It was terrible. That is, don't listen. Don't do that, kids. Yeah, please I know. You, uh, I know. We, we have to be eighteen to listen because that's our whole shtick. But if you're a child and you're listening, which we're we're assuming that is the case, don't don't do that. Yeah. Um, this half's not going to be very long because this film is not very long. It barely runs over an hour. It's like 62, 63 minutes long. It, it's is it is very lean. It's very lean. Um, you know, which I think is I think in this case is both a pro and a con. Because, like, I think I've said this to you before, and we talked about it with Mad Love. I love, like, 70-minute, like, black-and-white horror movies. You, 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 have a, you have a specific uh, interest when it comes to, like, not just because, like, there's short movies. Like, a 90-minute movie is short. But, like, when a movie says, like, the, te- the, 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 the runtime is, like, 65 minutes and it's a good movie... Then I think that's like your your real cup of tea. If it's schlocky, then that's the best movie Joey's ever seen. It's like it's my bread and butter, honestly. <laughs> like on and I I I would love to see like a movie made to a major mainstream movie made today that's like eighty minutes, but not like a kids movie, but just like a horror like <laughs> monster like something like this. So to describe, let's describe the pre- basic premise and let me see if this sounds familiar to you. So. Uh, we have uh, Bob Rainsford, played by Joel McRae, who I think this is the first time we've talked about a Joel McRae movie on this program. I don't immediately remember his name, if I'm being honest. That's fine. Um, yeah. But but he cra- but he, he's shipwrecked, basically, and he's on this island. And this island has people on it, namely uh, Count Zaroff, played by Leslie Banks, who is, uh, who is Russian, or at least by the bad accent, supposed to be Russian, and um, and is also a massive hunter and a huge Bob Rainsford fanboy, to where he's read his articles or writings or whatever about about hunting, and there's a couple other people um, that that are there. Um, you know, you have Martin played by Robert Armstrong and Eve played by the wonderful uh, Faye Ray, and you know they're his guests, but it's a little more sinister than that. Honestly, because this dude intentionally shipwrecks people and lures them in and then pursues them on a hunt. It's it's fucked up. (laughs) 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 It's messed up. Though, oddly enough, this isn't the first time we've talked about a movie with this premise. No, no, it is not. (laughs) I'm still I'm still sorry for that. I mean, we had to we had to rip the bandaid off, man. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it just it. At some point, we just knew we had to talk about the pest with John Leguizamo. <laughs> um, but this movie, it was. Here's a little bit of history with this movie before we get into the the quality and the merits and lack thereof of this one. Um, this was a production that was made at RKO, okay, in the 30s. And this was Kong shot, guys. The Kong guys did this. Marion C. Cooper guys. was a producer. Ernest B. Shodsax, one of the co-directors. James Creelman, who wrote one of the drafts of the original King Kong, wrote the screenplay here. 
Max Steiner did the music for this. Some the sets, the sets are the same sets. In fact, at night they would after a day of shooting the Kong stuff. At night they would shoot the most dangerous game stuff. And this movie is extremely low budget for that reason. Kong was a bigger, <laughs> much bigger movie as far as budget, if, as you can imagine, of course. Um, but this movie was, you know, it, it's, it's a smaller scale thing, which I appreciate. But also, the Kong, like, Venn diagram does not end there because there are at four actors, five, actually, five actors in this movie who are also in King Kong. Um, we have James Flavin, who is one of the mates in... He was one of like the sailors in the original Kong. He's one of the mates in the beginning of the movie, before the ship is shipwrecked. We have Steve okay. Steve Clemente, who's the knife thrower here in this movie. He actually is the Witch King in Skull Island. He's the guy... He talks to the chief, and he's like, These people shouldn't be here! Hello! He doesn't actually say it like that, obviously. Um, one, of my, one of the notable ones, Noble Johnson, who plays, of course, the iconic chief um iconic uh, indigenous chief of skull island here in this movie he plays ivan in whiteface which is kind of wild <laughs> it's it it is sort of like weird in concept to think about that yeah he was in whiteface the whole time but you're like you know what I, I, the thing is, too, like, I don't think I would have noticed had you not said anything to me. No. You know, he's also, like, like produced, like, different films in, like, the silent era and stuff as well. But, you know, obviously he's in a number... We've talked about it a couple times. He was in The Mummy, actually. Um, the, the original Mummy. but And, of course, King Kong. And then, of course, uh, Robert Armstrong, who plays alcoholic uh, Martin, uh, played the... Um, Carl Denham, the director... In the original King Kong, and of course, Fay Ray is the leading lady in this movie, and plays Anne Darrow in the original King Kong. So iconic. Uh, Fay Ray. Fay Ray. Fay Ray was very busy between thirty-two and thirty-three. She did a lot of movies. <laughs> like it's actually kind of yeah. wild. <laughs> she she got to work, and she did a good job in both, for sure. Yeah, I actually really, I actually really like her character here. She's a little bit more, slightly more agency than Anne Darrow. I feel like. Because she's, like, she's the one that we find out, like, listen, this Zaroff guy, he's up to no good. Yeah. Like, because in King Kong, she's more of, like, the like the kind of traditional scream queen damsel sort of thing that damsel distress. Which she falls into that in this movie, but, like, yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. You know, it's that typical old-fashioned way of portraying females in, in, in film, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it's very much a film of 1932. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which, but, you know, which is also funny too. This mo this movie will celebrate its ninetieth birthday this year. Happy birthday! There is that, but I think you know all those people are fine. I mean, Robert Armstrong as Martin is just kind of funny. We were just laughing at him while we were watching this. It's like he's the drunk guy, I believe. Correct? He is the drunk guy who is like uh, Faye Ray's brother in the movie. Yeah, he he's literally. Just, like, slurring his words. This is the second time I've watched a really short movie where there's someone that's drunk in it. <laughs> I'm noticing a pattern here, Joey, of short movies you've shown me. <laughs> just, as long, you know what, as long as there's, like, some drunk person just going, well, I don't know what's going on, but you know what, I kind of like this terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I, I think I'm okay. Uh, I love it when when he's asking um, Zaroff to play the piano. He's like, "Oh, play the piano! Uh, don't don't play one of those highbrow things. Do, do something like a like a nice fun show to like tune." 
<laughs> I just I just love how like adamant he was that Zaroff was such a good dude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like he's like he is a great guy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny I gotta talk about I do have to talk about Leslie Banks though because I think he is like as far as the actors go I think he is the reason to see this movie when you look at like the main cast um, of course he gets the most interesting part in the most dangerous game Count Zaroff uh, Leslie Banks he's, he's the villain he's the villain and Leslie Banks like this guy is, is just obsessed with the thrill of the hunt but he's hunted like just about every big game you can think of like tigers pfft, Leopards, bears, <laughs> guffaw, <laughs> you know, but it's nothing. And he's like, I found a new sensation. And that new sensation is hunting people. I mean, whatever it gets you kicks, man. <laughs> and, um, but like his, he, he, he's really good in the movie. The accent's not great, but like he, like he's had, gives this intensity that I think works for the character. Um, even when he's like seemingly like sophisticated, you just sense that something is off about him. He's 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 a little bit um, wacky in a way. Like he's got like a kind of deep seated like like kind of craziness to him. Yeah. Like I like like I know you told me that like the reason his eye is the way that it is is because of like something that actually happened to him. But I think that works in his favor for this role. Yes, and and that's not to say that we we are in favor like because that's a no. big topic now. Like people talking about disfigurements being used as plot points and things but yeah it it does give him a distinct look because one side of his face he i mean and not that his face was like the phantom of the opera suddenly but like no once no, no, of it no. like his the way his eye looks on one side of his face is clearly different than the other side so like one side mm -hmm. he looks like a typical like leading man you know in a hollywood movie and the other side you're like oh gosh this looks this is something out of like a boris karloff movie or you know like, he's 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 got some plans which obviously we learn he does, but he's he's got something up his sleeve, and he's like even when he just is like on the hunt, when he's like out in the in the jungle with his like first with his bow, and then like his rifle later, like, th like there's some there's some like you can tell there's something sinister cooking up in his brain. Like when he's you know? like when he's feeling his scar, like as he's like experiencing the thrill of the hunt he he's aroused every time like it's the opposite of harry potter yes <laughs> harry potter's like oh my scar it hurts there's someone's near me but then he's like <sighs> yeah i can smell him in the distance but this movie as we said it's kind of a like a like you you described it as like a preteen like a horny like <laughs> this this movie is like if a horny teenager was has like 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 Christian parents and has told him to repress his his hoardiness. Mm -hmm. Like like even there's just that that bit where um uh the the main character's got a knife that that Zaroff gave him and he's stroking the knife. <laughs> and you're like, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> he clearly has something in his brain as well. <laughs> but a lot of like the like the set design and you know the dialogue reflects this as well because the first thing you see in the movie in the opening credits. You see the knocker of like the monster holding uh holding the the woman. This is a messed up knocker. It's a messed up <laughs> knocker and there's a tapestry of like this evil looking centaur holding a pretty lady. Um like what in the world? <laughs> where and I think Zaroff in the movie like is always talking about how like the th like you have to hunt first then love your woman basically and he like 
basically with Bobby's is like, yeah, we're going to use like Faye Ray as our trophy for this, which is obviously disgusting. <laughs> but, and he's just like, first the hunt, then the love. And I'm like, oh gosh. He would, he would thrive in caveman times. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but I, I also really like the chase. I wish there was maybe like one or two more instances of like traps and stuff or something, but yeah, I think it's it's exciting enough. I, I I think especially think when like when you're running through the trees and like you see the camera is just going through like the jungle. Um, like that was a cool shot. Like when they're following them through yes. through the but through the bush and like they're behind uh, who's being chased. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, trying to think of I I love the way he goes out in this movie. Uh. He, he he falls out the window after he gets uh uh stabbed by his own arrow. Yep. <laughs> mhm. He falls out the window yeah, was... and into his like uh pit of dogs. <laughs> well, you know, that's what you get for having a pit of dogs. Just <laughs> like listen, this like I think Disney villains need to learn this too. Just if you got a pit of something that is like meant to like be vicious and eat people, just put put like a put like a net over it. You don't need a roof. You could have a roof, but like, put like a net or something, something that won't immediately break, because you know you're, because you know by the end of the movie you're gonna die. <laughs> not that, not that villains are meant to be self-aware of the plot of the movie, but I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> just, just have something. Um, but also like the dogs again, like they're those dogs were actually owned by Buster Keaton, and you were telling me about that, yeah. <laughs> like, and the dogs didn't look intimidating enough, so that I think they had to dye their fur. Like paint their fur to make them look more intimidating, which I can kind of see because like in the scene where like you see the dogs are like looking at um Zarov, they look they look so like friendly, like even with like the intense like Max Steiner, bam bam bam, it's like these like good boy all, all these like Scooby Doo's basically are like Ruby Rack. <laughs> I'm just picturing that, like them just like putting dog food, like, all right, come on, come on, <laughs> um, and also like, like pretend, oh. pretend it's the guy you're trying to hunt. <laughs> I also really like the room, like his trophy room. The it's, it looks like a dungeon. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really creepy, and he's like, he's got like head, he's got a head in a jar. He's got a head in the jar, and he's got, like, a head on the wall where it's, like, obviously, like, decay, like, you know, <laughs> it's so... And then I'm just picturing, like, Marty Feldman going, I ain't got no body. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. That would be, that would have been a great Mel Brooks uh, movie. <laughs> if only he'd have done it. Man. <sighs> but um, this movie is very short, as we stated before. 63 minutes 63 minutes and i think this is your biggest if i had to get your biggest uh takeaway <laughs> well listen 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 you know one thing is part part of joey and i's friendship is you know because we're both big movie fans we periodically would like to show movies to one another you know like especially now that we do the show you know i think that's part of the fun of the show is you know you know, I'll show something to Joey, and he'll show something to me, and, you know, it's the the, the trickiest part is what the reaction's going to be after the fact. You know, it's, 
Like, like I just bought two movies for Joey for his birthday, and I have no clue if he's going to like them. I hope he does, especially because I spent $60, $70 on it, but that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, I, I, you know, I hope he likes it, but if he doesn't, he doesn't, and that's just how it is. But um, that's always the trickiest, especially if we're watching something for the show, because the last thing we want to do is show, like, a movie to, to someone that they're like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> So like, like I remember like for the for the Twilight episode when I showed you Let Me In like there like like there was definitely some interest in it but I think like you were just kind of like like kind of like okay this this is you know this guy this is a little bit of a tonal issue going on here and I don't know where I'm going with I this. definitely like the movie That's, I want to emphasize yeah. this again even though I no yeah no no I, I know but, it's but, Owen and Abby not Boy and Goyle. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but at the same time, but, <laughs> but like at the same time, it's like you know, there was an issue that was so, sort of a heavy issue that carried through the movie, and and that's and that's just your what your experience was. Right. That's 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 perfectly fine. And so like when when Joey was showing me this movie, like normally in like when when Joey shows me a movie, I feel like there's more of a build up to it. But I feel like this one just kind of happened. Right. It's like when you were showing me um, Thief of Baghdad, because that's obviously like one of your all-time favorites. And I remember there was sort of a build-up for that, or um, I think maybe like even like Red Shoes mm, when we did yeah. that episode a while ago. It's like twenty-one, um, and there was definitely a build-up for that. But then this one was just kind of happened, and I'm watching it, and I'm just like, oh god, I'm kind of bored right now. <laughs> I don't want to say anything because I know he likes this movie. Yeah. I'm kind of bored right now. I, I, I think the worst for me is like the first eight minutes before like the shipwreck happens, mm-hmm. and it's just like we're a bunch of guys on the boat. Oh, we're, we <laughs> won't be able to get through this thing, <laughs> and they all die anyway. So it doesn't even matter. Most of them die anyway, so it doesn't they even all, matter. They they do all die, and I there was part of me that expected a musical number to happen, <laughs> probably because like they were playing like music on a record that was so jaunty. And I was like, I'm waiting for them to go. Well, I'm going to go to it. I don't know. <laughs> like, re- but, like, re- like, yeah, rewatching that. Sorry, to, like rewatching that. It really made me think of an early talkie, like those bits, especially like when you watch King Kong. That feels like a turning point where you're like, this feels more like a fully fleshed out movie with the score, with the sound design, with the way it's shot. You know, it feels. Like I'm not obviously it's a movie from 1933. It's not going to be like a 2022 blockbuster, but like it feels no, more no, like no. a watchable thing. Whereas there's some like old like older sound films where it can be downright. Like I was watching another Joel McRae Fay Ray movie, The Richest Girl in the World. From you ni- tell me about that, and this that was made like two years after this, and I thought it was I thought it was just okay, but it was hard to get through because it's just like that like the sound isn't perfect, and you're mm-hmm. just like okay, there's not music happening like. It's not bombarding you. It's not like with the things you expect from a movie. So I totally no. understand that. Like this movie, it's just like it delays so long. It's like one half <laughs> is just the buildup, and the other half, the other half is the hunt. And if you're not interested in that first half, it's a weird experience. Like I will say, there were parts in the in the opening that I thought, like when the shark, the shark effect, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, the sharks were cool. The shark was pretty cool. Um. And I thought I thought Leslie Banks's Zaroff was pretty fun, and the whole Scar thing was just was just it, it was just funny to me. Yes, <laughs> he's, mm-hmm. he's so horny right now. <laughs> um, and I think it was just I don't know. I think I, I I expected there to be like more of a build up, more of like a like 
I guess I I wanted it to be a bit meatier. Yeah. So I guess like the the runtime being only sixty three minutes only gave you so much. Like a lot of it is just them trying to run away. Like you kind of like you kind of want like the first thirty minutes to be like the build up, and then the hunt be like the the meat of the movie. Mm-hmm. When it was really only like the first half of the 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 last act of the movie was them in the jungle. And I, I was kind of hoping, like, I was glad he took his, his, he ripped his sleeve off because I was like, all right, now he looks like he's in, like, survival mode. Right. Whereas before he was just like, he had his shirt tucked in. He was really well tailored. <laughs> I'm sure, like, like, like the makeup and, and costume department on that movie was, like, you know, working really hard to try to make everyone look nice. But I'm also like, he's surviving. Give him, like, a scar or something. Like, have, like, an animal come out while he's in the middle of it all. Like, I don't know. And, and Cooper and Shotzak um, Shacks should know that because they were like like semi explorer adventurer types themselves you know yeah. um and i also think too rewatching this and i still love this movie cuz i just love this type of schlock you yeah, know yeah no this is your bread and butter this man. is my bread and butter but like this type of movie like it made it, this made me really appreciate how well made king kong is king kong yeah is 100 minutes okay you you get you get like the character development like the first forty minutes. You get to know who these people are. You get the mystery of Kong. You get to Skull Island, and by like forty two, all that exciting yeah. like stop motion like monster battles and like I like you sent me a clip the other day of King Kong and the T Rex fighting because you because were you just watching it or I was just watching just... I was just watching clips like King Kong oh, yeah. like I don't log in a letterbox but I probably watch <laughs> King Kong like four or five times in a year. <laughs> I have no beef with that. Uh, I get it. No, but like my thing is like King Kong. Like after those, like after that first forty minutes, the rest of it is incredibly well. It's a well-oiled machine in a way yeah. where that this movie, even though I enjoy it, it just quite isn't. It just is not King Kong in that respect. And I think because you said that they were doing this more or less the same time as they were doing King Kong, so I can I can see how like maybe a lot of the focus went towards King Kong and this was just kind of like well we have this on the schedule so might as well yeah get this one done so maybe that could have contributed to like the structure being the way it was or even the runtime and there's not like there's nothing to appreciate in the movie because there were stuff that I very much enjoyed you know but I think this one like it was again it was just hard because I was like I don't want to just say I think this movie is just okay <laughs> but no. it is what it is and it, but again it's like. Cause it's it's like I because I know like if it was the, like if it was the reverse like if I showed you something show or not for the show and you were just like it's okay I would be like fuck like there would be a moment of devastation like oh no Joey didn't like it <laughs> so like but again it is what it is but again it doesn't mean I hate the movie this is by far not even like the worst movie I've seen for the show no no we've t- we definitely talked we we've talked about movies that can people consider to be good that are much more like um war- I think about War of the Worlds. <laughs> Yeah, that one, that one, like, there was stuff to appreciate in that, but it's like, hmm. <laughs> it, there's something to be desired in it. Um, yeah. You know, but, and also, too, this movie, again, this is only, mo- only an hour. So, like, I'd feel a lot worse. <laughs> like, I, I would feel a lot worse. Like, I was thinking about, like, this. I'm like, I showed Richard Seven Samurai. Imagine if he hated it. Thank goodness it was really good. Like, like <laughs> thank goodness. I would feel bad at that point because other than the extended cut of Return of the King, that's the longest thing we've ever talked about on our show. <laughs> it really is. There was definitely a point where I was like, I forgot how long this was, and there was an intermission, but I was still like, you know, I love the characters and that, and the action is exciting. Yeah. 
You know, like, there's a reason that movie is as beloved as it is, thankfully. Yes. Um, but I also think, too, I'm glad we got to watch this, um, because this story is a story that has been told time and time again. I was reading somewhere that this might be the most popular, like, the short story itself might be the most popular short story ever. And I'm sure that people were also influenced by this movie. Just, it's, because it is such a nifty concept, and it's been done, like, um, whatchamacallit, not that this is a great movie, and, you know, like, people made fun of him for this, but Apex with Bruce Willis was done mm -hmm. not that long ago. It's an adaptation of the most dangerous... It's, it's a version of the most dangerous game. The movie <laughs> movies we're going to talk about in the next part of this uh, episode are sort of in, very much influenced by most dangerous game. Like you could say that whole franchise, you know? Mm -hmm. um, there's so many... Uh, the Pest, which we've talked about on our program before... <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry about that. It's <laughs> it's what it is. It's what it is. The zo uh, the zodiac zodiac um it was influenced mm -hmm. by this, it's which which that film references most dangerous game in in uh, the film because um there was that scene and if you've ever watched Zodiac, it's a pretty good movie. It's very long though. Just yeah, just to, it's not just, this just movie. Be wary of that. No, <laughs> uh, but there's a scene. <laughs> There's a scene when um, Robert Graysmith, who I constantly thought of because of because the character's name was like Robert, what what was his name? Robert Rainsford. So like I, like because the way they were saying it in his like accent, I thought he was saying Graysmith sometimes. So I immediately thought of Jake Gyllenhaal and in, in Zodiac. There's that whole scene where he's where he runs up to Ro Robert Downey Jr. and he's like the most dangerous game. What? What are you talking about? The most dangerous game. See that guy? That's Count Zaroff. <laughs> and, he, and like he's like Zaroff with a Z. And then it cuts to the next scene. Right. So I, I did think of that and I was like, oh. Now I feel like I've, I've, I have that reference in my head now. Like now you have like, you have the experience. And it, <laughs> so next yeah. time you watch Zodiac, you'll be like, okay. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I could be like Captain America. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. And actually this story just entered the, entered the public domain in 2020 and they're doing an ad we were talking about this they're doing an adaptation for um soon there should be coming out soon uh well i saw that there was an adaptation that came out this past week like a like a low like a low budget one with uh bruce stern and casper van Dien. right that was like uh i think it was like a super low budget because like you watch the trailer it looks like they were filming it on like their phones or something mm-hmm which that doesn't say I'm not saying that like you know is a bad movie or anything. It's probably you know somewhat somewhat decent. I'm sure, but it's just interesting that even to this day, like you know, people. I'm just surprised there hasn't been like a huge like sort of big budget version of it, and it's probably because there has been so many adaptations, of, like loose adaptations of it or films that were inspired by the story itself. So, but I would be I would be interested if they actually if like someone actually was like let's let's do a most dangerous game. Like why not? So I think I think that's still a, a an interesting concept, and I think people would still be into it. Absolutely, I think so. Um, mm -hmm. In any case, I think we're gonna leave. We're gonna finally leave this island, uh, and we're we're gonna go to <laughs> we're, we're gonna get out of here. We're gonna get. We're, we are oh, going to shit, Joey, Joey. Sorry, uh, it's this this old buddy of mine in the military. Yeah, he needs me to help him. Uh, this this jungle. I don't know. I don't really want to, but if uh, do you want to come with? Well, maybe maybe it won't be so bad. Well, you know what we have to do then. We have to get to the chopper.
<laughs> well, I can't do that. I ain't got time to bleed. Welcome back to Two Dudes One Double Feature. In our last segment, we talked about the most dangerous game. Now we're going to talk about something a little bit, a little bit uh, in the sort of same ballpark, but something that is just a lot more violent for sure. <laughs> um, we're actually, uh, actually, where that accent come from? I don't know. We're actually <laughs> going to be talking about two movies, kind of, kind of, yes. Kind of like uh, if you if you've been with us for for a long time, you probably know we sort of did this uh, when we talked about Paddington and Hamilton for like what the fifth episode we've ever done. Yep. So if you've been with us that long, thank you. It's very nice. That seemed like <laughs> it's such a milestone. We did five of those things, <laughs> and now look where we are. Good, oh my good gracious, we're almost to the big one, and then we'll. Well, the next then we'll be like, oh god, what about two hundred? Shit, <laughs> we gotta watch more movies. Um, but what for, what we're trying to say is, um, there, you know, when we talk about the first movie, we're gonna bring up, um, it'll make sense what the other one's going to be because it's a re- yes. the other one's a recent, uh, recent title. If you have Hulu, you probably watched it. But Joey, tell us what is this movie we are talking about. Well, we are talking about the 1987 John McTiernan directed. Listen, this is the return of a king. John McTiernan, return, okay? Listen, return of a king. He he did not die hard. He came back. With a vengeance. <laughs> oh! <laughs> that film, my friends, is Predator. No the, no S, no two, no versus alien, no Requiem. Just Predator. Predator. <laughs> Good God! There's been so many movies, haven't there? <laughs> there's more. There's more than I expected. <laughs> oh my God! But no, Predator. Predator itself, the first movie, is incredible. Yes, it's we, such a great movie. We are both undeniably huge fans of this movie. It is, fa- it is fantastic. Smarter than it needs to be. It's more exciting than it needs to be it's got some incredible effects great practical effects great makeups tons of great uh you know iconic action stars um it's got a nice subversion to it um it's 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 one of a kind really and it's just it is sort of weird to think that they've tried to replicate it in the franchise and it's just been weird most every time 
but you know this 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 one specifically is just one of the best movies to exist period it's just so fun but also like just kind of a an amazing concept especially because at the time action movies right action movies were very much like like the uh the like the Arnold Schwarzenegger's or the uh the Sylvester Stallone type thing like this was before the change of Die Hard also by John McTiernan um uh where the the everyman was kind of mm-hmm. like the this kind of snarky everyman was sort of the uh quintessential action hero um before that it was like super buff probably has an accent whether it's hey you know i'm gonna shoot you in the face because that's what i do or i'll be back you know literally i mean there's more than that like you got like dolph lundgren you got uh uh Dolph Lundgren. I couldn't think of anyone else. <laughs> well, I, I kind of think of it like like Beowulf, where Beowulf is super OP and super strong. He's not always the most likable guy around. <laughs> yeah. You know, but people still enjoy seeing, like, big, strong dudes do strong things. Arnold yes. Schwarzenegger, like, he might be more likable than Beowulf, I think, clearly, but yeah. I, I think he fits that mold of, like, this dude, how could he lose to anybody? Like, how could he? Like, when you think of, like, quintessential action hero, he has to look like he's a, an action figure, first of all. He has to have as much camo on him as possible. He's either shirtless or with small shirt, to emphasize muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got... He can't have, like, some pity, like, little gun he has to have like the biggest fucking like assault rifle or gatling and he has two sometimes if you really mm-hmm. want to go for it and he's got a big old cigar just like that's the image maybe a bandana just to add some flavor but like like that's the image of like the the action hero of that era and yeah. john mctiernan who um wanted to change that when he did die hard because he did this did he do this before die hard die hard was 88 which is so, so crazy. literally the year before <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is this is his commentary on on the action genre at the time like a chad stahelski before him <laughs> you know yeah kind of thing um where he's like okay we're gonna let's get a bunch of these guys let's get a bunch of these like buff dudes we're gonna get apollo creed in there we'll get arnold to star and um we'll, we'll give people what they expect when they see a cast like this there'll be explosions They'll be in a jungle, lots of camo, a lot of like machismo, like straight white dudeness. That well, it is a pretty you know some diversity, which is nice. But like mostly, like it is like these are these are the people that you're like. 55 year old dad look up to when they were kids this this is the prequel to the expendables <laughs> this, is, this is the prequel to the expendables and so we're gonna give you a little bit of that but then you know what we're gonna do at the same time we're gonna kill them <laughs> we're gonna take them all down mm. slasher movie style like hold yes. on you can't you can't do that they're action heroes they have to live do they do they though do they we're going to make sure Arnold goes from being I am in charge to being like, fuck, what do I do? Yeah, I mean, that's something you don't always see is Arnold scared. No, like just just the the image at the end of the movie of the predator holding him up against a tree and he's significantly bigger than Arnold. That's kind of a scary thought, admittedly. Yeah. Like, goddamn. 
Yeah, I mean, well, like, what's amazing about this movie is, it, it like, obviously you have this, the, the best of the best kind of team, right? And they do this mission, and there's some shady stuff going on with this mission, as they find out, because Carl Weathers hasn't been telling them everything. Oh, Dylan. <laughs> CIA having you pushing too many pencils. <laughs> what's the matter, Dylan? <laughs> oh my gosh um no but like but the amazing thing is the first part of this movie feels like the third it fe- like you were saying it's like tropic thunder but not as many like <laughs> jokes it's the end of tropic thunder but without satire <laughs> like 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 it, it really is like the um uh the because you were also pointing that out it's like it really does feel like the third act of like a like a typical action movie where like there was all this build up beforehand and the the characters finally got to the location and it's like what um but no it's like literally the first what it's like the first 30 minutes mm-hmm. is like they get to the location and that's when they're like you set us up <laughs> <laughs> you threw us all into a meat grinder what happened to you Dylan <laughs> I, I thought you were someone I could trust I woke up. <laughs> this movie's so woke. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where, like, this movie, Alien, um, Terminator, if people saw them today, they'd be like, this is the wokest nonsense. <laughs> They're great movies, but it's like, they'd be like, oh, I remember this stuff. Wait, a waitress beats the Terminator? I don't get it! Why did that happen? She doesn't know how to fight! You're telling me Jesse the Body Ventura (laughs) couldn't beat this alien up? You're telling me he dies really quickly? What? This makes no sense! They have three... uh, They have two governors and one governor candidate in this movie. (laughs) And they couldn't, like, legislate the shit out of the Predator? Listen... How could he die? He had tobacco. He's, he dropped a, an expletive. <laughs> he was homophobic. And he, he had said, no time to bleed. He had no time to bleed. But clearly he had no time to duck. He had no time to duck. Clearly. <laughs> clearly. He nope. just stood there and then turns around. Boom! <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, because like, you're like convinced like no, nobody can stop this team. It's just like, it, they, they are invincible. Um, but like, those deaths, like, there's something's picking them off. And, like, I love, um, let me just, I want to make sure I get this right real quick. Just to, I think one of my favorite things to like, describe the Predator, um, I'm trying to find her name really quick. Um, Anna in the movie, um, uh, Alpedia, um, Camilo, um, she's great in this movie. She's, like, the hostage that they have. Mm-hmm. And I love when they ask her, like, what happened and she's just like the jungle, like the jungle came alive and got the him. Ju- the jungle came alive and got him, and, and they keep asking her questions. She's like, "It's it happened again, you dipshits!" <laughs> <laughs> like she's like she's she's done with their nonsense. And yeah, I love it. I'm like that's the energy I like to have sometimes. Like you guys are full of shit. <laughs> you, you know who I also liked in this um in this movie? I, the whole I think the whole ensemble is fantastic, honestly. Um, but I I really like Bill Dukes in this movie. Bill Duke's got such an interesting arc because, like, like obviously he's kind of like the he feels like he's got the most level head initially, 
but he's kind of like the strong silent type. Like, I mean, they're all kind of the strong silent type, but like, um, him specifically sort of feels like that. But then, um, one thing happens and he completely loses it. Yeah. Like he's like, I, I think of that scene when they're just shooting off into the, into the distance in the jungle and everyone's depleted their magazines and he's still going with the Gatling gun. Like it, the, the, the barrels are still going, nothing's coming mm-hmm. out. He's still holding on to it. And then he finally lets go and he's got a pretty gruesome death too. Yes. It's, it's one of the most memorable parts of the movie. I would say it is like he's in, he's like, he's with Dylan and they're trying to find the predator. Cause like by this point they, they've all sort of seen the predator like no one's physically seen him but like he's usually in his cloak cloaking device or whatever mm-hmm. and um it's the first time we see like the iconic uh three laser targeting site that the predator always has and uh it's initially on on his arm and then it like goes on his forehead and then the back of his head just explodes <sighs> yeah uh like and again, like this movie, I think it should. I think it should be emphasized too. This movie, you know, does not care. Like as far as like the villain is good, this movie does not care. Like we're not, you know, gonna just like over dramatize these guys' deaths. Like yeah, they're all, they're over the top because it's you know a science fiction movie. But these dudes are just getting killed. Like there's no like specific. Like, you would assume maybe in a typical movie, like oh this guy's gotta die first. Like you kind of get why Shane Black's character. Um, is the first guy to die because he's mostly just like the jokey guy, mm-hmm. but then like there's no real order for any of it, and the only thing that you know is that Arnold's going to be the last one standing, and so like it's it sort of takes you it sort of takes you back a little bit just watching it because because you don't know when it's going to happen, yeah, and it's terrifying for it. Yeah, I mean it just you know I I like. I think other than some of the one-liners that happen in this movie, you sometimes sometimes forget that this is like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Which is weird <laughs> to say. Like, obviously he has like, Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> or like, uh, stick around. Stick after around. he's thrown, the, <laughs> after he's thrown yes. the, the huge knife. Knock, knock. <laughs> Got you pushing too many pencils in the CIA. <laughs> or, get to the chopper. Uh, of course, the the iconic, you are one ugly motherfucker. <laughs> yes, uh, that's that's a great great line, great delivery. Um, you know, but I I re- it feels I think it feels appropriately intense. And again, I love the idea of these guys who are who are killers and stuff. They are being hunted down by the ultimate. Get this, predator. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> So you're telling me they're running around, they're running away in the jungle from a guy in a white van? That's the spaceship that he comes in on. <laughs> like, hi guys, you want some candy? That's how he's able. That's the real uh, demise of Shane Black. That's the real demise of Shane Black. He, he, instead of like blood spurting, you just see candy. <laughs> oh gosh, um, no. But in, in any case, like. I, I think the buildup in this is is really great, but then there's oh, yeah. like the hunt, um, you know, because they pick them off one by one. I think feels, I think it feels really great, and you're on the edge of your seat for basically the whole time. Um, I love like because here's my thing, like 
guns, and I'm not going to get into the issue of guns, but as far as, like, a thing in movies, I get why you have to use them for things. I'm glad, like, with this movie and the recent, like, Predator, the recent Predator movie, Prey, where they're just, like, guns are, like, eh, you know, like, they're not the best way to go about this, um, this kind of thing. Um, like, like when you think about it, like they have these big, big ass weapons. Like I think about, <laughs> I think about the big ass, like Gatling gun that they use, you know, it, it's like, like it, all it does is like deforestation. <laughs> yeah. All you're doing is uh, chopping trees there, buddy. Um, like you're basically a lumberjack with that thing. Yeah. It's incredibly <laughs> wasteful. Um, yeah. But I just love by the end of the movie, Arnold has to like cover himself in mud. He's using spears and things. And he's got a he's, torch. He has to create like he has to create traps. Like I, I was thinking a lot about like most dangerous game where they create like the all, like the, there's like do it like twice, but they make like certain traps, you know, over chasms and you know things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, you're having to use your ingenuity to fight the predator. It's not about it's not ultimately it's not about being the biggest baddest motherfucker. It's about being the the biggest bad, baddest motherfucker with the biggest baddest brain, you know. It's li- it's literally like this brawny dude needs to learn needs to like tap into his like survival instincts. Yes. Take take um, what he's learned and apply it. It's you know what? It's 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 a positive story of education. <laughs> learn <laughs> as you do or you will die. <laughs> yes. Um, but let's t- like the predator design. Like, what a great shout out design. to dance to Stan Winston on that one. Mm-hmm. Honestly, because like, there's a reason that like I do like some of the redesigns that they've done in the later sequels. But I mean, there's a reason that one is like the, the they constantly keep going back to it because. It's made like I love like all the different like armor pieces. I love that you know it's almost like he kind of he kind of dresses the same way as King Leonidas in three hundred, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Except he's got like maybe some net. He's he's almost kind of it's almost kind of sexy. Admittedly, <laughs> like his little little like fishnet style going on there. He's got like, long nails. You <laughs> he know. looks like he kind of looks like if like the, listen, hot take, but the Predator would would have made a great. Um, uh, Dr. Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I love like, that like this thing is masked for a good chunk of the time, and then you see the face. The mandibles. The mandibles Mandible. are my favorite thing, I think. Just like yeah. that. Um, also, in adi- obviously, you've got to give credit to Stan Winston. Also, Kevin Peter Hall played the predator he also played uh, a helicopter pilot in the movie but he plays the predator in here and i think he has since um i think he played in the second one but then i think he says since uh passed away may he rest in peace may he rest um in peace. and apparently do you know who provide who does the predator's uh voice no apparently apparently no. uh peter cullen really like 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 optimus prime optimus prime also, the voice of the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet trailer, you know. <laughs> we Castle are- Rock Entertainment proudly presents the most celebrated drama in the English language. That was really good, actually. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was very. That was no. I, I, I was, like you got you got the you got the deepness for it. So that was really good, actually. I give um, you props. I, I I was listening to um, Junk Food Cinema, um, and they were talking about Predator. 
and they're like they brought up Peter Cullen, and I'm just like, oh my gosh! I guess now I want to just watch the movie again just to hear like, just just to like do like the vocalizations and like the you know. Does he do like the stuff. clicking thing too? Apparently he does. Oh I, my god! Is, I got to double check on that, but um. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Is this that's... the first Peter Cullen movie we've talked about? I mean, in truth, we're probably never going to talk about any... Maybe Bumblebee, but we're probably not going to talk about any of the Transformer movies. Maybe maybe, maybe Bumblebee, maybe like the, what, the 80s the, the, one? The animated the one with Orson Welles? Maybe, I don't know. I've never seen it, but... It's, <laughs> it's you know, it's it's goofy. It's, you know, it's entertaining enough. Um, but this movie, I think, is just... I think people, like, people, like... It's a great movie, obviously. We both agree on that. I think sometimes yeah. people lump it in with some of the other, like, Arnold movies, which there's a lot of good ones out there. I mean, the, the first Terminator is just one of my all-time favorite movies. It's amazing. You know, amazing movie. The Conan, of course. Last Action Hero, I think, is just a lot of fun. <laughs> you you brought up uh, Jingle All the Way in our conversations. <laughs> Jingle All the Way. I like. It's not a good movie, but I have a special interest in it because it's just... Kindergarten Cop. Oh, kindergarten cop. Um, boys have a penis and girls have a vagina. That's a line I remember from that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think this it's one not is a an es- it, It's an especially. Um, I think it's an especially unique um, Arnold movie because, like, I think it's just really well crafted. And there's an alien. Like, there's a, a monster in this in this movie. You know, like, listen, just. Arnold, I think, like, yeah, he's he's known mostly as like the action hero guy, but like, I like that I like that he has done movies like this where he still gets to like do his Arnold shtick, where he's like the the action hero and says one liners. But yep. like, I like that like he's especially later later on he would like do other things and change it up a little bit. Like, I think of Total Recall as well. Yes, which I think is such a great movie. Paul Verhoeven, uh, who did RoboCop, did that one. Um. And that one, that one's got a lot of great uh, special effects in it as well. Um, <clears throat> or I think of like uh, um, one of his other collaborations with James Cameron, uh, True Lies, mm-hmm. which uh, I I shouldn't have watched at the age I did, but I watched it when I was young because I think my parents just liked watching it. <laughs> so <laughs> listen, everybody uh, has that R like that R rated thing. Do, or, I have or, so many though; it's weird. <laughs> No, I, no, I'm, no, but there's probably a lot of people like that. There's definitely a lot of people out there, like out, like that out there. They probably watch like Mad, like The Road Warrior or ju- like Terminator <laughs> Judgment Day at the age that they probably should not have watched those things. Listen, if you're one of those people, let me know so I can feel seen. <laughs> I still remember watching Pulp Fiction at age five. <laughs> oh my god, that, that one I think is real bad. <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> so bad. That's terrible because I'm just like, what in the hell is entertaining about this? I'd rather like, I'd ra- I don't get it. <laughs> I'd rather just watch like ro- at least RoboCop has a RoboCop. <laughs> you know what? They had toys, so there's the correlation. It may it makes sense. That's true. These things had toys. <laughs> this, they had fucking toys for RoboCop. It's weird to think about. <laughs> I mean, but this movie is incredible, and I think for the longest time, like filmmakers have had so many struggles trying to make this thing trying to replicate the magic of the original film it's like because i think predator 2 
is I, I will say I think Predator Two is interesting. Yes, because I think it, it's sort of it's sort of like it's sort of trying to do what the first one does, but with like the lethal weapon sort of archetype, like the later archetype that like Bruce Willis did, like that John McTiernan did. Um, by having Danny Glover there and having him be like a detective in the city and it's a different location. It's the concrete jungle as opposed to an actual jungle. So there's some interestingness and they kind of build up the, the mythology. But other than that, it's just, it's just okay, um, yep. admittedly. And then like Predators, I, I consider that the Force Awakens of the Predator franchise because it is like it's like taking a different spin while also just being like the same movie really Mm -hmm. like it even ends with like the main character like putting mud on themselves right and so it's but it's got some like interesting twists and turns here and there and then then there's the predator which that broke my heart man like i was so excited to see i love shane black who obviously he's in the original predator um but also he went on to have a pretty great career uh as a writer director with like kiss kiss bang bang and the nice guys and i think joey uh, reflects the sentiment because I think we're both pretty big Shane Black fans. I know, I know, we both like Iron Man three <laughs> compared to like, a, most people. Yeah, we are in uh, an Iron Man three fan club. I think it's a pretty good, mo- pretty good Marvel movie. You know, <laughs> yeah. like if anybody like, comes up to me and says it's the worst one, I'm like, you you're free to have a wrong opinion. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Joey laying down the gauntlet, just yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, so it just seemed like on paper, it probably seemed like a good idea to see what Shane Black could do with a Predator movie, but it had a good cast. Like there was a lot of good people in that, but it was like, no. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to make a movie and it's also just hard to replicate something that worked so well the first time. And and also on paper, this just feels weird too, but it just like, it somehow works. But finally in the year of our Lord. 2022 <laughs> the year of our lord 2022 i like the way you introduced that <laughs> um we have father son a, house a, of gucci house of gucci of course um <laughs> a movie neither one of us have seen and <laughs> but um in 2022 this year we got a predator movie that many are deeming as either not only maybe as good as the original maybe even better or the best overall predator movie which we'll briefly talk about try not to we'll try not to do spoilers for this this yeah, one no. too much because it just came out it's on hulu if you want to watch it um but i don't know how much of my excitement level was at. i remember hearing the concept and i was thinking yeah that's probably neat you know mm-hmm. i i remember being interested in it at least like i i would hear about it periodically uh, but I think the interest, but I think most of my interest for it, it's the movie's prey, by the way. I don't know if we said that, but <laughs> yes, we, we yeah. I don't think we said that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. The movie is prey, um, which is also just a great like title, not just because of the fact it's like the, an antonym for predator, but also because, um, I think it perfectly describes like the approach to this, to the sequel. But, um, yeah, I think most of my excitement was that uh, Dan Trachtenberg, I think, is how you pronounce his name. The dude did um, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, right? I apologize if I butchered your name, first of all. Um, yeah. But Which yeah, he directed probably... 10 Cloverfield Lane, yes. 
which I think many would say is probably the best Cloverfield of those Cloverfield. How many has it been? Like three Cloverfield? Three or there's, four? There's three Cloverfield. There's the original that Matt Reeves did, which is one of the few found footage movies I give a shit about. Um, Agreed. Admittedly. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. then there's 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is so different. And it was like, it was one, it was like the whole shtick with the Cloverfield movies is like, let's not tell anybody it's a Cloverfield movie. And then like, by the time it comes out, we're like, oh, by the way, there's a Cloverfield movie. Right. Which is kind of a cool concept that they did that. Um, I remember like for the third one, the Cloverfield Paradox, it was like, they, they released it the day they announced it on Netflix. Do you remember yes, that? Yes, I like, remember that. It was like during yeah. the Super Bowl or something. It's like, after the Super mm-hmm. Bowl, watch it. And then we all watch it. We were like, what the hell is this? <laughs> well, I didn't watch it. <laughs> it's, it's, like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not the best. I like Chris O'Dowd, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he does have a cool, like, kind of moment in it, but other than that. And it ends with, like, a giant Cloverfield thing. Incredible, incredible movie. Like, this is, and again, here's the other thing that was going against it. It's a prequel. Yeah, it takes place well before the first one. And it's one of those movies where, like, I can say, even if you've never seen any of the other ones, you could just plop yourself in front on your couch and just watch it. There's it. There's no need to like set up anything really, like yeah. other than maybe saying like it's a predator movie, but that's it. Like you don't need to. You don't need to be like well. The thing is, there's this right, and then that's why this makes sense. Then there's this. Like no. It's not like if I was going to show you like one of the Marvel movies, like especially one of the later ones that you've never seen or something, and it's like, well, you need to have watched this movie, this movie, this TV show, and it's like you could just check it out on Hulu right now if you want. And what's cool is that because um, the main character is a, a Native American of, of the Comanche tribe. Um, they actually did a English version, but also a Comanche dubbed version. So there's two versions yes. of this movie you could check out. Um, I have seen the English version because it was just the, the initial one that I watched. Um, but I, I started watching the Comanche version last night, but I fell asleep. So I didn't finish it, unfortunately. But it, it was pretty cool that they did that. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the only thing that it did throw me off a little bit because they were obviously speaking like English and they dubbed it over. But like... Mm-hmm. Um, but at least it was the actors themselves dubbing it. Like, it wasn't like... Yes. Yeah, so that was pretty cool, too. Yes. That was really cool. Uh, Amber Mid-Thunder is incredible in the movie, by the way. I also want to give a shout-out to Dakota, uh, Dakota Beavers, um, who plays the brother in uh, the movie. Was it Tabe? Tabe? Tabe. Yeah, he's really good in the movie. But, I mean, it's just like, you know, the, the you know the Comanche are like, you know, there's the hunters and stuff, and they're dealing with... Like, she knows that there's a predator out or something is out there, and they don't believe her. No. And, um, but there's so much to, like, to get into. Uh, obviously, there is, the like, one of my favorite things about it is, like, the thing you always learn about, like, Native, like, indigenous tribe, Native American tribes, whenever they would hunt an animal, or hunt an animal, it's all, they always, what's the matter? Oh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but Olivia Newton-John just died. Oh, shit. Yeah, I just got a notification. Oh fuck! Oh my god! <laughs> this is such. A, I'm sorry. I don't mean to like interrupt, but no. That is, oh uh, my god! Damn. If you don't, if you don't know, know who I she know is, she like, was. Ha- sorry. No, yeah. it's okay. It's okay. Um, if you don't know who she is, obviously most people my age, probably or even younger, might know her as Sandy from Greece, mm-hmm. or um, you know, she had. Oh my gosh! 
That was a shock. Oof, uh, sure. Oh, man. Uh, re- rest in peace, Olivia Newton-John. Condolences yeah. to the family, seriously. No. That's no, that's that sure. like we've talked about unfortunate deaths all the time on the show, but it's like I think like that's the first time I feel like it just kind of happened. First time in a while where yeah. it's happened. It it's like we've had a couple. I remember when Joel Schumacher died, and that was like mm-hmm. we were halfway through recording. The thing you'd always learned about like these tribes is that they would make use of every part of the animal. They would never waste it. They would never just hunt like hunt the animal for sport. You know that's the thing that that's the thing that you learn, which is a great contrast with the predator. Which is a being that hunts entirely for sport, and I think about the scene where after the predator like kills the wolf or whatever, and it like you know I say defrost the the like the skull like the head like it makes it just the skull, and I'm like that's such a waste. Like you're just like, getting rid of all that other stuff you could have used for things, and you're just just I, for I want trophy. a skull. Just like I want it on my belt. I just want it to look nice. I thought it would be a good belt buckle, you know. <laughs> you know, so I think that's a great contrast, but also the idea of like you know the predator being an invader, yeah. Um, uh, you know, like like we're talking about like you know pe- colonists, uh, people coming over from Europe, which they sort of tap into a little bit. Trappers, um, I trappers. I think it, it's a beautiful looking movie as well. Mm-hmm. I I love. I think my favorite thing about it is that like you got all these other predator sequels that are trying their damnedest to be like that first one you know like you got predator 2 which is again sort of like sort of an action character but in a different in a different setting fighting the predator or you have the third one which is literally just the first movie with some changes and then the more recent one which is again a bunch of like sort of crass macho guys that are a little bit off kilter like a dirty dozen sort of thing and it's like all of them are just trying to survive this alien coming to invade, and that's kind of it. You're like, this is just the same yep. thing over and over and over again. But then um, the director of this one is just like, what if we get like this um, hunt, like an actual hunter, um, and have them track the predator? Because the predator uh, throughout the movie is just kind of going through, finding finding things to hunt, and like you know, uh, I love the scene. Not to get too specific, but I love the scene when like there's an ant crawling on the predator while it's cloaked and then a, mi- a mouse eats it then a snake eats the mouse and then the predator notices uh, the snake notices the predator there and then tries to get it but then it like gets the snake and then it just like yeah. pulls the bones out and then that's it you know it's just like it's it's just kind of going through like okay this is what it's like it's almost like it's the first time the predators ever showed up on earth yeah and this predator is just trying to like you know go through the motion while it's being tracked by uh amber Midthunder's character the central character and so and even just the fact the movie's called prey it's like it makes like again it makes it like a good kind of like opposite like let's do almost the opposite of what the first movie is you know and i i thought that was like kind of a genius thing to to just be like it's such a simple like easy idea too that you can just kind of build off of and do something really cool and have obviously the great representation of of native american characters and and the tribe and have it set in like what 1719 i think it's set in yeah i think 1719 um you know and what's great about it richard both of these movies do not overstay their like um oh, no. predator and and prey like predator is like an hour 47 this movie is like prey is like 99 minutes with credits which yeah. i think that's perfect it 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 comes in i'm able to enjoy it and then it's done 
Like, I get enough... And it also helps, too, is that there's not, like, an ensemble, like, cast of, like, really... It's it's mainly, like, Amber Midthunder, Dakota Beavers, The Dog. The Great Dog. A, a, it's a great dog. One of the cinema's greatest dogs. The goodest of Goyles. It's, um, I think it's pretty remarkable that they were able to do this, but also that it took so long to crack the code on how to make another <laughs> really good Predator movie. Like, good, goodness me. Like, again, not to completely knock the other Predator movies, but, like, clearly clearly there was, like, a, a something in the formula that wasn't working. You know, like, it feels like... Because it really does feel like every sequel was a reboot. Yeah. Like... None of them really feel like a, a genuine follow-up. Maybe the maybe Predator 2, but even then, like I feel like that sort of distanced itself from the first movie. And then mm-hmm. like Predators felt like it was trying to be a reboot, and it just didn't work out. And then The Predator, again, was trying to be a reboot. And then obviously there's like all the spin-offs with the Alien Predator movies, which, you know, personally, I don't think they're very good. But if, mm-hmm. if that's your thing, that's that's cool. But um, Right. It just it, it was so it's so weird to think that it took him this long to be like, what if we tried this? And then it's like, fuck, that's a great idea. Yeah. And it worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like you still get uh, all the like the great like cheesiness that you want, but also like um tons of like tons of cool action scenes. I love uh like the initial reveal scene is great. Um I love the the sort of forest scene where she's bait. Um I love. I even love. Uh, I think Amber Mid Mid Thunder gets a, a lot of incredible action scenes, and there's, there's just it's just a lot of fun. But also, it's like it's a really simple, genius idea. I mean, I think this this overall double feature I think shows that there are, you know this this story still has interests of like a, a force that you know simply wants to hunt, not because it wants to eat food or you know it has to defend itself. It has to do so for for entertainment for entertainment purposes, for its own pleasures, you know. Like, I think about people with hunting trophies, you know, they're not using... Like, sport hunters is kind of a weird sport. concept. Yeah, it's it's a very strange, uh, very strange enterprise they got going on with that. Like, um, I think about a couple of years ago with, um, was it uh, Cecil the Lion, or somebody, it was a famous lion yeah, a couple that sounds, of years ago. Yeah, now that you mention that, it does sound familiar. You know, I feel like, and I thought I was reading the other day that somebody was hunting an elephant and they killed the elephant, but the elephant collapsed on that killed, crushed that person to death. Karma by falling, you know, karma. Yeah. Or I mean, like, look, like what's it? The Fox hunters or whatever. Those guys like the, old, like, like the, like those like Br- British aristocrats or whatever that would like, <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking about? Like those guys, it's like Mary would... Poppins. Yeah. It's like Mary Poppins when they're like, they're, they're, like the, the, fo- the poor Fox is running away. You know, again, yeah. both of us eat meat too. So we shouldn't be like, we're not like, yeah, we're, you know, we're uh, yeah yeah <laughs> but, but it's a little eating meat and like hunting things for sport is a little di- it, they're different things i think but, one one gives us sustenance and and enjoyment while the other one is just kind of like weird and like 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 just the fact that like i like i i remember like um back in the day seeing like friends or family or anyone with like like a mounted deer head in their house and yep. it's always such a weird thing to see something like that. Like the fact that someone like taxidermied that head and then mounted it on like a piece of wood just so they could put it in their house. Like, I don't know. That bugs me a little bit. 
it's a very it's a very strange phenomenon. I mean, and, and look, we have like <laughs> like Zarov has his collection of weird heads. heads. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and that's not only the it's not only the first time on the show we've talked about this. Like in the Mask of Zorro, uh, Captain Love has like heads and jars and hands and he jars. Does. It's so weird. It's very strange, but. Again, I think I think as we said this at the start, hunting is an inherently cinematic thing. Like you can make, I don't want to say every good movie, every movie hunting is a good movie, but you can make you can make a movie based around the concept of the hunt. Yeah, and like you know, whether for survival reasons or for more sinister reasons, like Zaroff or the Predator, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 one of those things that you know inherently, you know, if, if done right, you could you could enjoy in a movie, because you know, just the idea of like you don't like if you're the if you're the one being hunted, you don't know where that person is or what's going to happen next, like you know, yeah. Like, and as an audience member, you're just kind of like, oh god, oh god, oh god. Like even just thinking mm-hmm. of like in Predator when um Billy like the the one of the members of the of Arnold's team is just staring into the jungle and he's like sweating bullets and Arnold's like, mm-hmm. are you okay? And he's like, there's something out there. You know, it's just, it's, it's intense. Yeah. You know, whether um, it's like stalking or the adrenaline of the chase, you know, it's, it's, it's an intense practice in a film. Indeed. Folks, um, what is your favorite loose adaptation of the most dangerous game? What's your favorite Predator movie? Did you enjoy Prey? Uh, you know, and and also just because of the, it just happened uh, again. I want to send condolences to you know Olivia Newton John's family, and that's just that's yes. just, that's sad. I know again it was spur of the moment, but seriously, you know it's it's a tragedy, and she will be missed for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Check us out next week. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. The goodest of Goyles.